everyone, and welcome back to She's All That Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1999 <laughs> examination of beauty in high school, She's All That, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And it's minute seven, beginning with the continuation of yesterday's ending line, uh, loose, ha ha ha. <laughs> if you recall, yesterday, the, D- the VJ said that everyone was cutting. Mm-hmm. Today, loose. <laughs> it's like this weird cackle that he does. Like, accurate, though. Like, I, I believe that is a VJ correctly doing spring break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not um, even listening to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is just like that. Um, and I have it going through Zach about to respond um, as Taylor tells him about Brock. Mm-hmm. We get, he responds a little bit, but... We're about to figure... He, Zach is about to figure out who Brock is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Zach is about to use his superpower again, which uh-huh. is clueless, 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 specific details. Yes. <laughs> yes. I really like the way they are doing this flashback storytelling. Yeah. Um, I They do it as like... A, it's a flashback, but she's like walking him through the flashback, almost like in A Christmas Carol when Scrooge goes mm-hmm. with the ghosts and sees these things happening, but he's not a part of them. Yeah. It's like that. Like she's showing him. Right. Like they're standing on the side of the pool and she's showing him her dancing on a float. Right. Which, which she definitely was chosen by the director to dance by herself. She definitely did not push the other girl on the flute <laughs> off of it to draw more attention to herself. That's so funny. So that means that there's, it's an unreliable narrator revealing herself through virtual reality memory sharing. Yes. That's really funny. It is really funny. I had thought that it was like the director told me to do it. So I did it and I figured the director wanted I'm going to say he, he wanted me on the boat alone. So, but you're right. It does. There's no indication that there is a director at all. Just that she shoved some more than one girl or just one girl. I think it was just one, but it might've been that she shoved one and there was like a bowling pin effect. Right. Yeah. I didn't take a note about that and I don't remember how many girls (laughs) fell. (laughs) Well, if that was the scene in question, you would lose. Mm-hmm. I would. <laughs> I would. But you know what? I'm very bad at those scenic questions. Mm. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I like Zach seeing this happening. We're seeing what actually happened versus yeah. what she's telling us. And it's close. It's close. Yeah. Yeah. So she's talking about how she's dancing and then all of a sudden she like trips on something and almost falls off her raft. Right. Uh, before that happens, there's a, there's a moment where she's just sort of dancing and you can hear the song playing. So yeah, oh, I, okay. I, I took a sec to to see what song it was. It's going to be quick because it's not a single. It's okay. not even a hit. It is literally like, what's the most MTV spring break but not noticeable song we can think of? And it is the song Be Free by the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, okay. Track seven from their debut album Behind the Front featuring the vocals of Kim Hill and not Fergie. Because this came out, uh, the album came out in 1998, and Fergie wouldn't join. Fergie's first album with the Black Eyed Peas was in 2004. So, oh wow, she was not even anywhere near this album um, 
at the mm. time. So yeah, Black Eyed Peas have been around for about half a decade longer than I realized, and yeah. this was their from the, a, a deep cut from their first album. It's called Be okay. Free. Yeah. All right. Seems like an, a a good song to uh, sure. play during yeah. spring break when everyone's just dancing. Just, yeah, just exactly. Just kind of dancing, you know, and and tripping, Tri- like like literally tripping mm-hmm. when their foot hits something that they were not yeah. expecting to have there. They may have also been tripping in other right. ways. Maybe, but we don't I, have any. We don't have any proof of that. That's just right. speculation. <laughs> So she nearly falls, but then she is caught by Matthew Lillard. Well, not mm-hmm. not not by a uh, not literally Matthew Lillard. That's a lot of L's. Um, uh-huh. This is before. This is probably about seven years before she like the storytelling and filmmaking and comedy making would have been. And it was literally Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Um, which is more of a late two thousands meta thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you a little bit about Matthew Lillard? Please do. I love Matthew Lillard. Me too. Um, he's a tall man. Did you know that? I can tell just looking at him that he's tall. I wouldn't have assumed that he was like super tall, but I would have put him at like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he's 6'1". So, no, oh, wait, no, that's the wrong. That's Matthew Gray Gubbler. So oh, okay. if you were wondering how tall Matthew, he's 6'4". He's 6'4". Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, taller than James. Um, mm-hmm. His top three, he was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Steve-O in SLC Punk, mm-hmm. and he was a character in Descendants. I didn't write down the character's name, but he was the guy that George Clooney's wife is cheating with. Spoilers for the movie Descendants. The uh, Descendants. You said, you said Descendants, and I immediately assumed uh, the Disney, Disney thing. And I, I see Descendants, and I, I think of the early 80s punk band. But no, it's the, it's the third one, the George Clooney Hawaii movie with Shailene Woodley and Matthew Lillard. Okay. It's a it's a decent it's a much more decent movie than I would have thought it would be. Like okay. it was a pretty fairly decent good emotional sort of roller coaster thing. Okay. He was also oh he's on Good Girls the TV show that I really like but have fallen oh. behind on and so I'm thinking about starting over. Um, it's a it's a good show. May Whitman. That's the one with May Whitman and um, Christina Hendricks. Hendricks. Yes. With thank you. I'm like Christina Redhead. Yeah. Right, right, and and thank you, thank you for saying Christina Redhead because the third good girl is Retta from uh, Parks and Rec. Um, yes, and so she's the she's the one that I don't have right. any uh, context for. But I was sitting here being like, "What is what is her name?" I was like Estelle, and I was like, "No, that's the girl from Pitch Perfect." And you're like Christine Redhead. I was like Retta. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's how the brain works. Um, yeah. He was also in Wicker Park um, with Josh Hartnett. Um, okay. Which was also a Shakespeare adaptation of, I want to say, much, eh, I don't know. It's something where you're like, really? Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't think I saw that one. It was really pretty good. The soundtrack was, the, the, it was pretty good. It was very moody. Um, and what I, of course, what I think about at the time is the soundtrack, which came out right after the, um, the Garden State soundtrack. And if you like the Garden State soundtrack... Go pick up the Wicker Park soundtrack because they aren't the same thing. But if they weren't like compiled by the same s- soundtrack supervisor or whatever, I would be very surprised because they have a very similar sound. Cool. <clears throat> he was his. Uh, he was also in Serial Mom. One of the uh, one of the trip pieces of trivia is that 
early on in his career, he went from having a mom who was a serial killer to being a serial killer in another movie that I, I feel tempted not to spoil. So maybe I'll cut this out, but he was a, he was a serial killer. Sure. And like right after he was in Serial Mom. One of those precious ones where I'm like, oh, but if you haven't seen it's really good and I don't want to spoil it. But anyways. Was the killer in There were two. That was the thing of Oh, there were okay. two. There was the first time when it was like they worked together so they could be in multiple places at once. Oh, okay. It's been, I haven't seen since high school, so. Yeah. Yeah. He was also, he made cameos in party scenes of two and four. Okay. Three, I don't know what happened. He was in The Perfect Score, which uh, was a, a Chris Evans movie where they're trying to get, uh, they're trying to cheat at the SATs. Mm-hmm. He was in Hackers with the most early 90s hair of all time. Okay. And he he was in Without a Paddle with Seth Green and Dax Shepard, which is a movie okay. I haven't seen, but I want to because what a what a cast. What a trifecta. Right. No kidding. <clears throat> His first appearance is either in Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. Well. Or as host of Skate with an 8, SK8 TV, which were both in 1990. Okay. And trivia for him, he was classmates with Paul Rudd, at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, class of 1990. Oh, wow. I don't think I realized he was that old. Not not that not that he's old at like 50 or whatever, but I think yeah. I, I think in my head he was see, in my head we are not almost 40. Correct. But yeah. <laughs> I think I think Matthew Lillard has the sort of same thing that I think Mark Hoppus has, which is uh, he the age that he is is somehow in his 50s. Like, that's the whole age, quote, somehow in his 50s. Like, yeah. he didn't start to be an adult until, like, a third of the way through his actual for real career after college, after theater yeah. school and stuff. Yeah. And then Paul Rudd, the fact that he graduated from, from theater school in 1990 is, is also just absolutely insane. In a different way. <laughs> he must have made the deal with the devil before, I would say probably during theater school, I would yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Matthew Lillard also was in 13 Ghosts, a.k.a. one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. A.k.a. a movie I didn't put on my list of movies because I was like, nope. Aaron, oh. that's a that's an Aaron no. That's a oh, nope from Aaron. I, I won't watch it again. I've seen it yeah. multiple times. But yeah. no, I don't mind the movie being brought up. Yeah. It just, I appreciate that, though. Yeah. I, I just figured, you know, he's... Matthew Lillard's just so prolific. It's just, you know. I mean, he he did a lot, especially around this time. Absolutely, yeah. He, I mean, like, SLC Punk, which has Matthew Lillard and then our friend uh, Michael Gorgian mm-hmm. is, the, is the other star of that movie, um, is really good and depressing a little bit. Sort yeah. Of, sort of uh, horrifyingly depressing. The other thing about Matthew Lillard is he's on an excellent episode of uh, Armchair Expert. Uh, with Dax Shepard, where they talk about that. He, they also talk about him in theater school, where he was in a Tom Stoppard play that Tom Stoppard was directing, arguing with Tom Stoppard about what Tom Stoppard wrote when he wrote the Tom Stoppard play. What? He's like, my character doesn't do this. It's not right. Who, who the fuck are you? Like, probably not who the fuck are you, but like being brashly confident mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to the author of the play. Yeah. I might need to listen to that episode because I would love to hear how that went down. Like, who it's, won? Who I, won that argument? I think Matthew Lillard did. I'm pretty sure Matthew Lillard that did. That delights me. 
Like, I know that Tom Stoppard is supposed to be the winner there, but it delights me that it was Matthew Lillard. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm right. This is the character. I mean, like, I kind of side with Matthew Lillard. Like, yeah, you wrote it, but, like, it's not yours anymore. It's Matthew Lillard's now. Yeah. So, hey, a bunch of actors talking here. So then we go back in, and uh, she tells him that... She tells Zach that the name of this character played by Matthew Lillard is Brock Hudson, which I just realized is is like Rock Hudson. Yeah. I just made that connection just right now in situ, right, right now. Oh. I... Don't think that I consciously made it until just now, but as you were saying, she's telling him the name. My brain is thinking, is it Brock Hudson? It's not Brock Hudson. That's a different person. That's like a like an actor from like the fifties. Right. I was oh. thinking of Rock Hudson. I just Rock didn't Hudson. quite. I didn't quite make the leap from <laughs> uh, Brock to to Rock. Now, actually. An article about Rock Hudson called Isn't He Gay? Well, whatever, actually would be incredibly appropriate and, sure. and quite, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says, Brock Hudson, what kind of name is that? So, Aaron, mm-hmm. I looked up Brock as a given name and Hudson as a surname to mm-hmm. see what kind of names they are. So, uh, if you'll indulge me, here's what kind of name Brock Hudson is. I absolutely will indulge you. So, Brock comes from the Old English Brock, B R O C C meaning badger. Okay. Ultimately, it's an ancient Celtic loan word meaning the same, Gaelic Brock, B-R-O-C, Scottish Brock, B-R-O-C-K, or Welsh Brock, B-R-O-C-H. So it's like, you know, just sort of accessorizing the B-R-O-C with whatever other consonant you want to do. Yeah. Kind of like Zach, actually, hilariously. Mm-hmm. Yep. C, H, or K. <laughs> mm-hmm. The badger was a particularly sacred animal to the early Celts, a symbolic of survival, encompassing the traits of tenacity, courage, willpower, and generally speaking, a fighting spirit. Okay. And then in the same article, which I have to imagine was literally just copy-pasted from something, it says, Brock essentially comes from the proto-Celtic root bkako, B-K-O-K-K-O, meaning gray, describing the badger's color, and possibly from the proto-Indo-European root T-E-K, Mean oh, there's a star in front of it, which means that this might be like a suffix. T-E-K meaning to construct. The term okay. badger is also connected to the French bish. What is a hat over the E? How do you pronounce that E when uh, there's a like hat of? Has like a carrot over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, usually it's just an S sound. Eh, okay, bashur meaning digger. Yeah. In reference to how the badger oftentimes occupies himself, you know, oh. in digging. Mm-hmm. And then Hudson, much shorter. It means son of Hugh, because Hud was very common and a pet name for Hugh. Oh. So if you knew a guy named Hugh, you could call him Hud. You know, like Hud Grant. Sure. Famous actor Hud Grant. Yep. yep. <laughs> noted, noted medical professional on television, Hud Laurie. Stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> that Hud Jackman man. <laughs> Love Hud that guy. Jackman sounds like a trucker. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Which, he's Australian, so I mean, he's already a little bit towards a trucker anyway, so. So, basically, this guy, what kind of name is that? That kind of name is Houston Badger. Right, right, right. Houston Badger. The Houston Badgers is what Brock Hudson means. Well. Houston, comma, Badger. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then she responds, what kind of name is Zach? So, just flowing smoothly into Zach. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach comes from Zacharias, Zachary, Zachariah, etc. 
Zechariah, also transliterated as Zechariah and Zacharias, is a theophoric god something, masculine name, maybe religion based, mm-hmm. metaphoric. Yeah, uh, masculine given name of Hebrew origin, meaning God remembers. It comes from the Hebrew word Zakar, meaning to remember, and Yah, one of the names of God. Mm-hmm. So what kind of name is Zach? A Hebrew name. Mm-hmm. There you go, Taylor. Zach, Taylor? That, there you go. Answers to your rhetorical questions. Mm-hmm. And then comes a great, a great joke after this, where she gets back on track and says, Brock is from the real world. And Zach says, what, like Reseda? <laughs> Which is very funny. I... Would I would like to talk about Racina for a second? Yeah, no, tell me because I don't really get the joke there. In another, in Clueless, uh, what like the valley would have been would have been the joke. Okay. Oh, okay. So Reseda, a neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, California, it was founded in 1912, and its central business district started developing in 1915. The neighborhood was devoted to agriculture for many years. Earthquakes hit it in 1971 and 1994, and parts of Reseda have been used in several motion picture and television productions, uh, and also in some songs, such as um, in The Karate Kid, Daniel and his mom moved from Newark, New Jersey to Reseda. Okay. Uh, in Boogie Nights, there, the nightclub scenes in Boogie Nights are filmed at the Country Club building in Reseda. Okay. Aaron Brockovich has some scenes filmed there. Some scenes in Terminator 2 Judgment Day are stated by a police officer to take place in, quote, a mall in Reseda, which is especially notable because there were no malls in Reseda at the time. So oh. <laughs> that's it's like that train to Santa Fe. <laughs> exactly. There's, hey, there, well, there might be malls there now, but in the 80s, you know that old saying, it's like a train to Santa Fe? Well, in, in the 80s, trying to find a mall in Reseda was like trying to catch a train to Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Actually, it kind of sounds like a real idiom. Yeah. Um, it's just very niche for you right, and me. <laughs> super niche. Uh, Nishi's Minute. That's a philosophy podcast. Anyways, a couple of songs in which Reseda pictures. Um, there's a song by Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties called Rosa and Reseda. Uh, which I only note because Aaron Rest in the Roaring Twenties is the side project of the lead singer of the Wonder Years, who okay. said, I sometimes get overwhelmed writing songs about my real life and my real life struggles and my depression and my worries about getting older and dying and all this stuff. So I'm going to start a band about a fictional, like where I'm portraying all that same stuff, but it's from a fictional point of view of a singer named Aaron West. And the band The Roaring Twenties. So Aaron Rest of the Roaring Twenties, same singer, same songwriter, uh, fictional fictional content. <laughs> okay. Which what is, is a, what is this singer's actual name? Uh, Dan Campbell. Oh, okay. So Dan Campbell as Aaron West. Exactly. In right. Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties. Correct. Exactly. But it's basically an autobiographical. It's it's not. It's specifically not. So it would oh. be stuff not that stuff that he's not worrying about but that he is writing a song about so if there's like a love interest or like a you know a a cheating thing or whatever we don't have to like research not happening to dan campbell right dan campbell tom petty mentions Reseda in free fallen it's a long day living in Reseda. i i knew that one yeah there you go but i was sitting here and i was like i'm pretty sure it's in free fallen (laughs) but then i couldn't call the actual line yeah to mind Sure. So thank you for, for telling sure. me what the line was. No problem. I the more I say it, the more Reseda goes up in my brain as uh, a, a one of my favorite California place names. 
Santa Monica will always be the winner of that, but Reseda is on the way up. On TV, uh, John's Marketplace, which is an actual grocery store in Reseda, is the setting of the notable scene where Eleanor Shellstrop dies in The Good Place. Oh. So Eleanor Eleanor Shellstrop dies in Reseda, which is weird because she's from Florida. So what was she doing in Reseda? Visiting her mom, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, And then in the web series Cobra Kai, which is now a Netflix show, which is a a follow-up to, it's a spin-off or like a, it's in the Karate Kid series. Uh, Johnny Lawrence's dojo is located at a strip mall in Reseda, which is of course a reference to Karate Kid where they lived in Reseda. Sure. So that's Reseda. Now, can I tell you about the real world? Yeah, tell me about the real world. Hey, listener, I just want to reassure you that the whole of the movie isn't James talking and defining stuff. It's just the early parts are a lot of that sometimes uh, because of, you know. The, the way we've chosen to <laughs> structure right. this podcast. Right. So The Real World was a reality television series uh, produced through MTV and Bunham Murray Productions that most recently aired, this was a news to me, on Facebook Watch. What? After airing on MTV from 1992 to 2017, it was originally I'm produced sorry, by Mary... till 2017? Uh, it was it's still, still going? It's still apparently a thing that's gonna... So, it was produced by Mary Ellis Bunham and John Jonathan Murray. It is in development for future seasons on Paramount+. Plus. So, it's not... It it's not done yet. Jeez. Mary Ellis Bonham and Jonathan Murray. I know those names very well because at the end of an episode where they'd like leave you hanging on like what was gonna happen, it'd be that thing where it's like it's like at the end of a SVU episode where it's yeah. like, holy crap, did they find the guy? It's like produced by Dick Wolf, and you're like, Oh, that's the end. The end of this where it's like produced by Mary Ellis Bonham and John Jonathan Murray. You'd be like, right. oh. Yeah. When you said it's airing on Facebook Watch, for some reason my brain was like Right, like syndication, like old episodes of previous seasons, because it's right. not, it hasn't been made since like <laughs> 2007. Nope. No, apparently still going. Wow. So, uh, wow. for people that don't know the real world, welcome to this show. And wow, um, tweet, tweet at us talking about your experience as a person, um, because that's fine. That's fine. But, um. It's such a cultural thing, but I feel like of a time. Right. I feel like we remember it because of our age, but I guarantee people like 10 years younger than us have probably vaguely heard of it. Yeah. But it's weird because it's, it's a thing where, and this is going to come out so get off my lawn, but there was a time when this was the reality television program and that's it. Yeah. This, well, well, and as I'll say in just a second, it wasn't entirely, but in terms of like blowing up, this yeah. was this is where reality television as it exists today started. Yeah. First broadcast in 1992, the show, which was inspired by the 1973 PBS documentary series on American Family, which is where literally I think they just went to a house and filmed a family. put cameras up. Yeah, and apparently shit went down. Like it wasn't. It was like, huh, okay intense um you know the way reality shows are mm-hmm. so it says uh it's the longest running program in mtv history well yeah and right, yeah. till you know sometime in the future <laughs> right exactly and it's one of the longest reality run, longest running reality sh- series in history i wonder if survivor no survivor didn't start in 1992 no nah and is credited with launching the modern reality tv genre yeah yeah 
uh, seven to eight young adults are picked to temporarily live in a new city together in one residence while being filmed nonstop. It was hailed in its early years, that's important to underline, for depicting issues of contemporary young adulthood relevant to its core audience such as sex, prejudice, religion, abortion, illness, sexuality, AIDS, death, politics, and substance abuse but later garnered a reputation as a showcase for immaturity and irresponsible behavior. A.K.A. Yeah. reality TV we all know and love now. Yeah. Looking at you, Bachelor Nation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there was a time when reality TV, there wasn't a point. It was yeah. literally just like, I don't know, cameras, I guess. Let's see these what these people are like and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't like when and whatever. And also... It was rare that you got kicked off the show. Right. It happened, as we'll see when we talk about season two, Real World Los Angeles, which was season two of The Real World. But and it happened a couple of other times, but not it was not normal for sure. Right. Um, it generated two notable related series, uh, Road Rules, which was where it was sort of the same thing, but they drove around in a Winnebago, mm-hmm. which lasted for 14 seasons, apparently. Okay. Uh, and then an, uh, the ongoing spinoff reality game show, The Challenge, which back when we were kids was called The Real World Road Rules, Ch- the Real World Road Rules Challenge. But I right. guess, as I just demonstrated, the challenge it's much easier, easier just call it the challenge, right? Yeah. Which has run for thirty-five seasons since nineteen ninety-eight, thus surpassing the Real World. That is a winter, fall, spring, like. Seasons of 10 episodes or yeah. whatever. Well, and that one sure. was people from both the real world and road rules. Right. On, right. On teams together or teams separately based on their show? I think they were separated by real world. I'm sure that they mixed it up, but I think originally it, it was, was real world and then road versus road rules. Right. And it was sort of a like greatest race. Kind of, kind of greatest race, kind of like capture the flag occasionally. Greatest yeah. race is actually a, a much better uh, way to put it. Yeah, for Cause, sure. Because they like traveled and stuff. It wasn't just like, right. okay, it's camp, red team versus blue team. Right. It wasn't like that. There were. Although I would, I mean, that would have been that would. I think there probably were some challenges yeah. like that. Like, okay, real yeah. world versus road rules, tug of war in a mud pit. Right. Yo, know, there. I can actually almost picture that. I'm so I'm pretty I'm, I'm, I'm sure positive. that actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then to expound upon that he's on the real world, that he was on the real world. God, nothing makes you sound like you can't say your R's like real world. Um, world juror. Rur- the rural juror. Um, so Ellen, uh, she says that he was on the second season, the Los Angeles season. Okay. Which is correct. That is the second season of real world was in Los Angeles. It was originally called real world California because season one was real world New York. Uh-huh. But then Real World California got retitled Real World Los Angeles when they decided to do, like, San Francisco. It was season four, I think. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they went they went back and, and changed that. And that re- it aired from June to November of 1993. And it had a notable person, uh, a notable man who was kicked off of the show. And his name was Brock Hutton. No, I'm joking. His name was David Edwards, uh, who was a stand-up comedian who had been on In Living Color. In episode six of the show, he pulled the bed covers off of a woman named Tammy, who was only wearing her underwear. And then in episode seven, uh, it basically they have like a meeting and it sort of 
ramps up into this was very, very not cool. People are not going to feel safe, etc., etc. And he Good. got kicked off. Good. The show in that episode seven. Yeah, I mean, for 93, that's really, really good. That it was yeah. like, no, fuck this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, then he was off on episode seven. So I'm fairly certain that Brock Hudson is based on David Edwards. Noted dirtball uh, David, David Edwards. All right. So, yeah, so. And, and we'll, we'll get uh, yeah. re- the reason why you're fairly certain about that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so let's just let's put a pin in in minute seven by saying that Zach thought the real world, by the real world she meant Reseda. Yeah. So let's put a pin in that, and we'll come back uh, in minute eight for um, just some baffling, whiplashing uh, Zach knowledge. Mm-hmm. But for now, why don't I do some social media? Please do. The listeners, like, oh, he's gonna talk more. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can do it if your voice needs a rest. <laughs> I don't, I think I'm good. Okay. We are on Twitter as a podcast franchise at J-E underscore Minute Movies. Mm-hmm. And we are individually on on Twitter. We are individually on podcast. Here, on podcast. Uh-huh. Um, podcast. We are in, individually on Twitter. I am at Unabashed James. I am at Unabashedly Aaron. We are part of the Scavengers Network, which has lots and lots of great shows, such as Side Character Quest, which is a role-playing game, TTRPGP, where the second P stands for podcast. Mm-hmm. And it the cool thing about it is it's one-on-one. It's 1v1 uh, RPG, where the host, Ty, is the uh, DM, and the one guest plays basically kind of an extra. Like, mm-hmm. think of, think of uh, you know, your last role-playing game campaign you nerd and then think of like npcs that you didn't talk to in the bar those people where it's like there's a bigger adventure happening but this person needs to like track down the their cellmate or whatever um and they go for like three episodes and then they're done they they probably they don't necessarily die but their story's done it gets sort of woven into the canon of side character quest and there's a new guest the next time yep if i could recommend an episode i would recommend the scavengers uh scram the scavengers scramble episode uh from last year where aaron Aww. was on with uh colin as the dm oh it was so fun um it was very fun to listen to and uh yeah that that was very fun um so listen to Side Character Quest, and I think I think that's going to do it for today, mm-hmm. but uh, I need to remind you, well, Aaron's going to remind you of one last thing you need to remember. Yes. When you come back tomorrow to listen to Minute 8, don't forget your paint-stained overalls. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.